So I once, I once had a friend, and this was a while ago that this happened, but I had a good friend, and, and you could call each other, we could call each other best friends. Does anyone have a best friend in here? All right, so most of us have best friends that we talk to every week, if not every day. We're hanging out with, we're doing stuff together, we're swimming, playing basketball, all these different things. And so I had a friend like that, and well, one day we had an argument, and we disagreed on some things. And because of that, we were no longer friends anymore. So our friendship became distant. We didn't hang out anymore, we didn't talk any longer, and we didn't see each other. And it was weird not having any communication with someone I was so close with for so long. And so I don't know if you can relate to this issue or this problem, but I had a friend that, man, we were close for a long time. Stuff happened, we, we, we had an argument, we disagreed on, and, and we, we weren't friends anymore. And it's weird that you have someone in your life for so long, for such a long period of time, and when you don't have communication with them anymore, it's kind of weird, right? Because you're used to talking to them every week, you're used to hanging out, you're used to telling them your deepest, darkest secrets, and when that's gone, it's, it's a weird thing. So let me ask you a question tonight. And this is a question I want everyone to, to pay attention to and ask themselves. Has your relationship with God ever felt distant? Maybe you're feeling that right now, that God is distant from you. Well, tonight I, I want to talk about a man who had a very close relationship with God and walked with him every day. But what does it look like for you and for me to walk with God, right? We hear this term, walk with God. What does that mean? To walk with God means keeping him at the center of everything you do in your life. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. Tonight, we're continuing our series, Hall of Fame. And last week, Morgan answered the question, what is faith? She described it as a belief that leads to action. And she talked through that faith looks like on our own personal lives. And tonight, we're going to be talking about the life of Enoch. Can you guys say Enoch? We're going to talk about the life of Enoch tonight. How many of you have ever heard of Enoch before? Not many hands. Well, this is good. This is good. This is the, the, the goal of this series. Well, Enoch is mentioned in Hebrews 11, this, this hall of faith chapter that we're talking about through this series. And we've heard of people like Noah and Abraham and, and Joseph and David and Moses and all these people. But Enoch, he's in Hebrews 11. And we're going to talk about him tonight. So he's, a, he's an interesting character in the Bible and interesting that he was named in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is all about face heroes and amazing things they have done all throughout Scripture. Again, we see people named in Hebrews like Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and David. And we all know their stories of great triumph and failure and they each have a large portion of a book in the Bible written about them. But do we know Enoch? Well, Enoch is barely mentioned throughout the Bible, and he is an Old Testament figure, but actually more is written about him in the New Testament. So if you don't know what I mean by that is that he lived before Jesus came, and so he was written about in the Old Testament. But actually in Scripture, in the Bible, more is written about him in the New Testament than the Old. So kind of odd. There are five passages written about him in the Bible. 
Two of them are genealogies, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically a, a biblical family tree. So that leaves us with three passages. Three passages that this man, Enoch, was named in. Now remember, this guy's in the hall of faith. These are people who are remembered for what they've done, their great triumphs and failures. The people of great faith are listed in Hebrews 11, but he only has really three passages, verses about him. So that leaves us with three. Genesis 5, Hebrews 11, which we're going to read tonight, and Jude verses 14 and 15. So let's look at, at Genesis 5 and Hebrews 11 really quick. So we're going, to go, we're, going to, we're going to be jumping around a lot tonight, so I hope you guys can stick with me. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Can everyone say Methuselah? After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 300 years. And 65 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. And so, this is the very first look at Enoch we see here in Scripture. And this passage tells us that Enoch became the father of Methuselah, age 65, and then it says Enoch walked with God faithfully for 300 years. Just imagine that for a second. I mean, just that someone lived to be 365 years old. And an interesting fact, Methuselah, his son, actually lived, he's the, the, the person who lived the longest time ever in the Bible, 969 years. So a very, very long time. So this man lived for 365 years and walked with God faithfully for 300 of them. So I want to put into perspective what kind of world Enoch was living in when he was walking faithfully with God. Enoch lived after the fall, but before the flood, right? So we have the fall, we have Adam and Eve. We all know the story of Adam and Eve. Eve ate the forbidden fruit from the tree in the garden, and sin has entered the world, right? And then we, then we fast forward, we got the flood, and Noah, God told Noah to build an ark because he's going to flood the world because of what it's become and the sin. So Enoch has lived after the fall and before the flood. So this is kind of the world that he's living in. A world that God is willing to flood. Okay? So sin, it, it was just being introduced in the world. And, and, and the world got so bad and so, so full of sin that God flooded. So the world he was living in was no easier than the world we live in today. So let's jump over to Hebrews 11 and look at our other passage on Enoch. So he, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken away, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we, we learned in our first passage in Genesis 5 that Enoch has walked faithfully with God for 300 years. Then we jump to Hebrews 11 and we learn something new about Enoch, right? Something totally different, that Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. So let that sit for a second. 
He was taken from his life so he did not experience death. Right, we, 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 we're reading that right. God took Enoch up because he was so pleased with his faithful walk. Enoch is one of only two people in the Bible to not experience death and be taken up to heaven. The other is Elijah. And so I've heard, I've heard Enoch's story explained like this. A girl came home from Sunday school and her mom asked her what she learned today. And she answered, well, we learned about this guy named Enoch. And her mom answered, well, why don't you tell us the story? And this is how the little girl broke it down. There was a man who every day went out to walk with God. And one day they walked together and they walked and they walked until it was almost dark. When this man started to go back, God said, hey, Enoch, why don't you just come home with me? And he's been with God ever since. I like that explanation that she gives. God just asked Enoch to come home with him. So Enoch got to skip and miss death, something that we're all going to experience. He, he gets to skip this because God chose to take him from where he was at and bring him straight into heaven. Because why? He was so pleased with Enoch's walk of faith. So why was Enoch mentioned if there's so little about his life? Why was he mentioned in Hebrews 11, these great figures of faith? Why was he mentioned? I'll tell you why. The summary statement of Enoch's life was, he pleased God. He pleased God. To walk with God is to please God. They're one and the same thing. A walk with God is a consistent living with him. Walking with God is different than jogging with him or having a chat with him or a weekly visit with God. Walking with God doesn't look like spending time with him on Wednesday night and only, only Wednesday night and Sunday morning. It's more than that. It's spending every day with him. So when the Bible's talking about walking, Enoch walked with God, man, it was an everyday thing for Enoch. It wasn't, he didn't show up on Wednesday night, open the Bible for 30 minutes, come on Sunday, open the Bible for 30 minutes, and call it, a, call it a week. No, Enoch walked faithfully every single day, and we're going to talk about that more tonight. So, so what does it look like to walk with God? That's, that's the question I want us to answer tonight. As you guys leave, I want you to have that answer in your head. What does it look like to walk with God? What does it look like to have a walk that pleases him? I want to give you three things that the Bible says you can do to have a more faithful walk with the Lord. The first thing we see is we have to seek him in prayer. If you're taking notes tonight, write that down. Seek him in prayer. Now, like I said at the beginning of the message, we're going to be jumping around a lot through Scripture. So we're going to be in 1 John, and we're going to read two verses starting in verse 5, and they're going to be on the screen behind me. And it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we, that with have what we ask of him. John is telling us here that God wants us to ask anything from God in prayer. That we can come to God for anything. Not, not just the big things, not just the small things, but John is telling us that we can come, that we can and should pray about everything. God cares about our whole life and nothing is too small or too big to pray about. 
So let me ask you a question. What if your parents, you and your parents talked once a week? If you talked to your mom once a week or talked to your dad once a week, how do you think your relationship with, with them would be? Probably not good, right? Similar thing here. We need to talk to God, right? The, the God that created us, that knit, knitted us in, each, in our mother's womb, wants a relationship with us. He wants to know everything about our life, not just the bad things, not just the big things, not just little things, but everything. Nothing is too big or too small to pray about. Sometimes we treat God like a vending machine. We only go to God when we want something, just how we go to a, a vending machine when we want a snack. That's not how we should go to God in prayer. Again, we should go to God in everything, the good, the bad, and gratefulness and sadness and anger. God cares about you individually and wants to walk with us through life. That's God's deepest desire is to have a personal relationship with you. A relationship that just isn't built on talking to him two times a week in church. Or just talking to him right before you eat to pray. No, God wants a personal relationship with you. When we're walking with him every single day, seeking him in prayer. Right? Prayer should be so much more than just casting wishes to heaven. God wants us to work with him. And that means bringing our will and agenda into line with his. He wants us to care about the things he cares about. And he wants us to care about them enough to pray passionately about them. John is telling us uh, when we pray to seek his will. When we go to God in, in prayer, we need to make it, we like to make it a lot about ourselves. And while it's important to bring our request to him, we also need to see what he wants from us, areas where we can grow in and get better at in our walk. And, I, and we just talked about bringing our request to God. I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. That's a good thing. He wants to hear about what you're going through. But a lot of times we like to make prayer all about me. God, I'm struggling with this. I'm doing this. God, uh, I had this going on. This happened to me the other day. And why God enjoys that and wants to hear from you. Another important thing about prayer is we want to align our will with his. I've heard it said like this, that we, me and God, we want to be on the same calendar. We want to have the same agenda, right? We want to be living in what God wants for us every day. Would you agree? That God wants us to be walking with him every single day. So everything that we do in life, guess what? And we need to be aligning that with God's will. God, is this what you want for my life? Is this what you want for me? I want what you want, God. And that's to be living in your will. Next is spend time in his word. Spend time in his word. So we've got to seek him in prayer and spend time in his word. And we're going to move to the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. So I want to give you a little context to, to what is happening in Joshua here. And, and Moses has just died and now Joshua is getting ready to lead the Israelite people. Joshua has lived his whole life as an assistant to Moses and now it's his turn to stand up and lead God's people. I'd say it's a pretty big task, right? 
It's a huge task. But look carefully at what God tells him to do. God told Joshua to meditate on his word. But Joshua did not only need to read God's word, it had to be on his lips, in his mind, and he had to do it. Right? So Joshua has been an assistant to Moses basically his whole life. You could say almost like an executive pastor. Well, now it's time for Joshua to lead. It's time for Joshua to lead the Israelite people. And what does God tell him to do? God tells him, man, you need to know my word. If you want to lead these people well, you need to know my word first. For us to walk with God faithfully through our own lives, we need to be spending time in the word. God is simply telling him the best way to prepare for you to lead these people is that you need to be spending time with me. That's huge for us. If that was God's command to Joshua for him to lead the Israelite people, don't you think that's how God wants us to lead our own lives? All right, if this is what God was telling Joshua that you need to do, man, you need to get in my word so you can lead these people the way I want you to. See this, this, see this will thing crossing again? That he wants, he selected Joshua to lead these people, and for him to do that correctly, for him to do that honoring to God, man, he needs to be spending time in God's word. Maybe some of you in here tonight have been reading the Bible lately just to check it off your list, or maybe not at all. But that's not how God intends for his word to be read. He wants it to be on our lips and in our minds so we get to know him more and grow in our walk. It is, virtu- it is vitally important to have a consistent quiet time. If we want to walk with God, we can't just be trying to grow two days a week. You can't rely on church to give you your spiritual food every week. This is something you have to do personally. Man, church is great to open God's word on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning. That's excellent. But man, if that's what you're relying on to to feed you every week, that's not going to work. Trust me, I've tried. Man, God wants you, you, to find out who he is personally by doing your own study and reading in God's word. Listen to me when I say this. You can't walk with God if you don't know him. You have to know who he is to walk with him. You have to read God's word to be walking with God. You have to know God's word to walk with him. Does that make sense? I I really don't want you guys to miss that. You can't walk with God if you don't know who he is. And Enoch, he walked with God every day, every single day. So Morgan, she talked about Hear Journals a couple weeks ago, and she laid out a great way that that we can intentionally spend time in his word to grow and remember what we read so we're not just reading to read. And I hope you guys are are putting that to practice. Our last one tonight, our last thing, is obey his commands. We have seek him in prayer, spend time in his word, and then obey his commands. We're going, to go, we're going to jump back to the New Testament here in James 1. Starting in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So James, he's, he's giving us a metaphor here for a person who doesn't obey the word of God, but only listens to it. He is a person who looks in a mirror, goes away, and forgets what he looks like. Who looks in a mirror every day before school or work? Wow. You guys really don't care what you look like, do you? Well, I look at a mirror every day before I go into work because I care what I look like. <clears throat> and so imagine going and looking at yourself in a mirror, leaving and not remembering what you look like. We all know, we all know what we look like, right? And we look at, each, we look at ourselves every day. So James is saying uh, for a person who only listens to the word of God, that's what he is. A person who forgets. A person who is forgetful of who they are. James is telling us here that it is not enough. Hear me. It is not enough to just listen to the word. But he says we have to do it. We have to put into action in our lives. It doesn't do us any favor to hear what God is saying to you as you read or listen to the word and go home and not put it into action. We want to be doers of the word. All right, so for example, if you're sitting here tonight, God's convicting you of a place that maybe you're not walking with him strongly. Maybe you're not talking to him in prayer enough. Maybe you're not reading his word enough. Maybe you're really not obeying what the Bible says. All right, God's convicting you. You know it. You can feel it. You leave, go home, and the next day you've, you don't do anything that you learned. Right? This is what James is talking about that we cannot do. We have to obey his commands. We have to be doers of the word. Right? Remember what Morgan said last week, that faith is a belief that leads to what? Action. It leads to action. The same thing applies for us tonight. We need to put our faith into action by obeying what we know about God's word. So let me try to, let me try to paint a picture for you for this, okay? So let's say you walk into math class and your teacher says this, all right, students, we've got a test coming up in three weeks, okay? We've got a test coming up in three weeks. Uh, let's just say on multiplication, okay? You got a test on multiplication. Well, two weeks go by, and all you're doing in class is you're, you're learning, you're listening from the teacher, you're taking good notes, you're being purposeful on, on what you're uh, hearing and writing down, you're highlighting, you're color coding, you're not talking in class with your friends, you're doing your homework. This is a stretch for a lot of you, but just, just stick with me, okay? <clears throat> so you're, we're, we're doing all these things, right, through a couple of weeks, and we're getting it. We're like, man, I, I know this, I know my multiplication, and I, this, is like, this is like old news for me. Man, this test comes, I'm ready, all right? So now we're a week out. We're a week out, we've been doing our homework, we've been listening, studying our notes, and now every time we go home, man, we are studying what we learned. We're studying our math homework. We're studying what she's, uh, the teacher said in class, right? And now it's test day. Three weeks leading up to this test, we know what we're doing. You sit down, and you do it a completely different way from what you learned. Or you don't do it at all. You just sit there. Okay, I'm painting this picture for you because this is what a lot of us are like when we obey 
when we're not obeying the word of God. A lot of us know what the Bible says, just like you know about this math test and everything coming for this test. You know it. A lot of us know what the Bible says about how we should live, but a lot of the time we aren't putting it into practice. And it's similar to a math test where we know, man, I know my multiplication. You sit down and you don't do it. So why is it, why do we learn in school and write down what we know and and ace our exams, but when we read the word of God, we forget what we read? Right? All of the people we read about in Hebrews 11 are ordinary people who put their faith into action for an extraordinary God. We see all the amazing things they did because they obeyed what God has said. I'm going to speed through these real quick, so try to pay attention. Noah built a boat because God told him to because he was going to flood the earth, and Noah did it. Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son because God told him to do it, and Abraham did it. Joseph forgave his brothers even when they traded him into slavery because God asked us to forgive one another, and Joseph did it. Moses walked across the Red Sea because God showed him the way, and Moses did it. David faced Goliath Goliath with only a sling and a stone because God asked David to trust him, and David did it. All we see all throughout uh, Hebrews 11 are these people who had extraordinary faith. Why? Because they put their faith into action. They obeyed. They obeyed what God has asked them to do. Noah never would have survived the flood if he didn't build an ark like God asked him to do. David never would have beaten Goliath if he didn't have a rock and a sling. We see this extraordinary faith from these people in Hebrews 11 because what? They were obedient to his commands. We are called to have that same kind of obedient faith. We're called to have the same kind of obedient faith. So as we close, and I, I want to ask you a question. What is it to live the Christian life? What is it? What is it to live the Christian life? It is simply to walk with God. It is simply to walk with God. The definition of walk in the Bible is not our definition of walk. Walking in the Bible means your way or manner of life. So when the Bible is talking about Enoch walked with God, he's talking about, the Bible is saying that Enoch faithfully was obedient to what God has asked him to do for 300 years. Right? It's his way of life. It's our manner and the way that we live. That's what walking means. It's not we're actually walking with God side by side. No, it's how are we living our life to what God has called us to do. So let me ask you another question. Are you pleasing God by the way you walk with him? Are you pleasing God by the way we walk with him? And that's a question each of you have to answer on your own. You can't answer for somebody else. Hey, Enoch God was so pleased with Enoch's walk that he took him straight up to heaven. What a faith, right? What a walk. 
If the answer is yes, then great, keep doing what you're doing. But if the answer is no, then you need to ask yourself another question. What's holding you back from walking with God? Maybe it's a certain sin in your life that you've kept secret for so long, you're hiding from everybody else. Maybe it's a a group of friends that you hang out with that don't honor God and now are starting to infect you. Or maybe it's because you aren't in consistent communication with God, that you go weeks without talking to Him. You go weeks without studying and, 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 and reading the Word of God. And you never obey his commands. What's holding you back? I love Enoch's story in the Bible. Even though there's so little about him, his story is so simple. He walked with God. He pleased God. And God took him up to heaven. That's Enoch's story. That's why he was in Hebrews 11. Because his faith was extraordinary. Because he walked with God daily. A lot of times we like to overcomplicate our faith. We view it as a bunch of do's and don'ts. And we want to say all the right religious things. And we try to compare our faith to others. But your faith is your own and it's simple. Walk with God daily. To walk with God means keeping him at the center of everything you do. Every decision you make, everything you do, every action you commit, every thought you have, it's God. It's guys, it's it's keeping him in the center of what you do, everything in your life. It's walking with him. Seek him in prayer. Spend time in his word and obey his commands. It doesn't need to be complicated. It's simple. Walk with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for tonight. Bring everyone here uh, safely together so, God, we can just learn and we can grow with you. God, you, you, you know our hearts. You know each and every one of us individually here in this room. God, you know what we're walking through, the struggles of life, the trials, the hard seasons. God, you know it. God, you want us to talk to you about that. What an honor that the God who created everything in this world desires a personal relationship with us. That he just doesn't want to hear about the big things, but the small things, the victories, the triumphs. God wants to hear it all. So, God, I pray if there are students here tonight that aren't walking with you but know you, God, I pray that they, they, they find out why. Why is it? What's holding me back? I pray that we can give an honest evaluation of our walks with you. God, we love you, and we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.